0: This week's podcast brought to you by Honeymoon Sweets.
1: Before we start, I just want to say that I DVR'd the Vikings-Eagles game on Sunday, and I'm finally getting a chance today, two days later, to watch it. So no spoilers, please, but fingers are crossed. I've got a good feeling about this one.
0: You tend to have good feelings about a lot of things, so good luck on your good feelings.
1: Thank you.
2: Says no pain no gain and we found that to be fact the road might twist and turn up bit but we all arrive intact mr mom and mrs dad having each other's back day by day just to keep it sane who's the ball
0: and who's the chain it's hard to tell right here on happiness lane last week i was flying from hartford to South Bend, Indiana for a game at Notre Dame. And my flight out of Hartford was delayed a little bit for weather. Our kids had school off that day. That was Wednesday because there was a lot of snow here. But we got further delayed because we were sitting on our plane for two hours waiting to be de-iced. Two hours. Now, Bradley Airport is usually terrific about snow removal, about keeping flights on time.
1: When you say we, the passengers or the plane?
0: Um, <laughs> the plane was waiting to be de-iced. The passengers were waiting along with it. We were on the plane. At one point, the pilot came on and said, you'll see the de-icer next to us. He's deicing the plane at the next gate. We're, we're next in the queue. And then 15 minutes later, he said, if you look out your window, you'll see that the de-icer is gone. We don't know what happened. They've forgotten about us. And they had to call the tower or whatever. So we ended up sitting on, on the runway or at the gate for two hours because someone forgot to de-ice us. So we get to Detroit and I, I always take the last flight out and I missed the connection from Detroit to South Bend. And they rebook us on a flight the following morning. I say us because my producer was also on the same flight because he was from and coming from Connecticut. And so he said, you know, we'll just drive. It's a three-hour drive from Detroit to South Bend. We'll get in before midnight. So we agreed to do that. As he's on the phone with our travel company, we realized there's not a single car in any of the rental car agencies in Detroit. Enough people were going places they could drive that it was completely wiped out. They called every single one. There's not a car. So you get in line, you get to the front, the person at Delta hands me a voucher for a hotel. This is their error, so they'll put me up for the night in the hotel. Can, and- I,
1: may, can I guess it was the Four Seasons? Yeah. Possibly the rest of Carlton.
0: Because <laughs> I was, I was going to spring for the Westin that's attached to the Detroit airport, but of course that was sold out as well. It was for the Wyndham Garden Inn. Now for people who've stayed at Wyndham hotels, those can be nice. The Wyndham Garden Inn, that is located a mile from the Detroit airport, is not a four-star luxury hotel. So you walk in and there's, you, well, first you get on the shuttle that takes you there. And there wasn't a shuttle for us to take. So the person um, down at ground transportation said, if you slip this guy some money on this other hotel shuttle, he'll take you there. So that's what we did. So it's a mile away, get on the shuttle, get to the hotel. And you just walk up to the front desk and they're just handing out keys to people. Your name's not on it, of course. You just hand them your voucher and they hand you a key. So I get a key for room 10-something. Well, there's not...
1: The 10th floor overlooking...
0: Overlooking...
1: Metropolitan a, Detroit. F- ...of
0: a beautiful view. Right. The this, garden in the, the Wyndham Gardens' yes, name. The, the This hotel had um, two floors. So... Room 10-something was actually on the first floor. My favorite part, and I'll post a picture of this on our Instagram page and on, on our Twitter page, was I'm walking through the atrium to get to my first floor room. I walked past a tanning booth, and it was a big, giant sign that said, tanning booth that's in the middle of the atrium of this hotel. So that, this kind of sets the scene.
1: In fairness, that is just the hotel's de <laughs> Yes,
0: exactly. Exactly. So I go... I put the, my, my key in my door. I don't normally like to stay on the first floor anyway, just because it's too easy for
1: somebody to crawl in the to window, crawl
0: in the window and steal your stuff. So I open the I, I open the door. I walk in and I see a bed ahead of me and it looks fine. Then I turn to the left and in the bedroom, not in the bathroom, because there was a separate bathroom next to the bed was a green jacuzzi tub. That was in the corner of the room, so it was surrounded on two sides by mirrors. So a mirrored green jacuzzi tub with a laminated sign, not laminated, an engraved gold sign that said, slippery when wet. And I'm just thinking, wow, I'm in the lap of luxury. And so I'm on the first floor, and I'm not a a, a nervous traveler or anything, but I went over and uh, just checked because my windows were these big sliding windows that I could easily walk in and out of, um, you know, step over and walk in and out. And did, I hope. Yeah. (laughs) So I go check. There's a, a big parking lot outside my window, but no cars in it because it's on the back of the hotel. And I just push the window. And of course, the window was unlocked. So now I'm like feeling really safe and secure. So I so I lock the window, shut the window, lock the window and I can't get the curtains to completely close. And uh, fortunately, someone had taught me this trick years ago, so I just go get one of the hangers from the closet, the pant hangers, and I use the clip to keep the curtains closed, and then took my phone flashlight and inspected the bed because it was... Exactly the kind of place that would be crawling with bed bugs. Did you, there did there you were not.
1: A, did you have a black light on your phone flashlight? <laughs> yeah.
0: No. Oh, if I had a black light, I wouldn't have turned it on. That would have just been awful.
1: So, uh, I would have, may I tell you, I would have used the, the clips on the pan hangers to, as salad tongs, to drag the bedspread <laughs> over the jacuzzi, and I would have made a fort in the jacuzzi and hidden under it. <laughs> sitting you there would have, for the night. You
0: would have slept in the jacuzzi. Well, the thing was, it was a weird jacuzzi. Like you couldn't, it wasn't even like a tub where you could have sat and extended your legs. Like the way the jacuzzi was sort of set up, you'd be sitting there resting your, your chin on your knees, which I suppose was probably the purpose. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it was completely the kind of room that you would rent by the hour and not overnight. I slept fine, because as you know, it would take a lot to prevent me from sleeping. I'm always so tired at night. Got up in the morning, and now it was time to go back to catch the early morning flight to South Bend. So
1: so you, you crawled out your window. I crawled out
0: my window. I hailed a cab. but And they have shuttles every half hour. But when I went down, it was about, I don't know, 5.30 or 6 in the morning. And there's already a lobby full of people waiting to get on the shuttle. So I called an Uber. And I understand that it's a mile from the airport. Did
1: these people look marginally more tanned than when they had come in? <laughs> they, looked,
0: they looked more tanned and better rested. And so I, I order the Uber, and the guy calls me on, on my cell phone, and he's got a thick Eastern European accent. And he said, where are you going? And I said, um, I'm actually going to the airport. And he said, "I just got out of the queue at the airport. You're only a mile away." And I said, "I know I'm a mile away, but uh, but I need a ride to the airport." And I once he... took
1: a cab from LaGuardia next door to Shea Stadium, and that guy was not happy either.
0: <laughs> was would there have been another way to get there? Could you walk from LaGuardia no, no, to Shea? No. So 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 he said, "Well, because you seem like a nice person, I will I will do this for you." And I said, "Well, I promise to tip you appropriately." And uh, so anyway, he gets there, and it's not just me; it's my producer, so we're gonna ride together. And uh, we get in the Uber and the guy has a picture. He's about a 65-year-old guy by my, my best estimate. He's got a picture kind of hanging in his car of a young girl. And so I asked him, I said, is that your daughter? And he said, yes, it's my nine-year-old daughter. And then without any prompting from me, he said, thank God for the Viagra. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I, said, uh, I said, well, I'm sure your, your wife feels that way too. And he said, she doesn't know. And then he just goes on this long, this long monologue. And he said, yeah, my first wife left and took half my money. This is my second wife, he said. And this, is, this daughter is my child number six.
1: So let me get this straight. His wife doesn't know, but you do.
0: <laughs> exactly. His wife does not know his pregame ritual. <laughs> But I do. And uh, so he's so he's still just in the middle of just going on a monologue. And he said, you know, I sold my house and bought a condo to put my kids through college. My other five kids, apparently from his first wife, he's put them all through college. And, uh, you know, this one's an engineer. This one's going to be an engineer. And he said, when they were home for Thanksgiving um, or Christmas, my son promised to buy me a Tesla. And then he said, last year I retired. This was my favorite line. It, meanwhile, as he's talking, I'm in the backseat frantic, frantically taking notes on my phone because this guy is so entertaining. He said, last year I retired. Suddenly, my wife isn't so great, and I'm not so handsome. <laughs> he said so. So now he's, he's an Uber driver, apparently, to get away from his wife. And anyway, it was, it was highly entertaining. So anyway, I'm going to rewind because... My producer who flies, who we were traveling together, is a really kind of uptight traveler. He's the kind of guy who has to get to the airport an hour and 45 minutes before the flight is scheduled to leave.
1: Does he also then stand at the jetway an hour and 44 minutes before (laughs) the flight is scheduled to leave? He
0: paces back and forth. And I'm the type of person, I leave our house an hour and 15 minutes before our flight's my flight's supposed to leave. I get to the airport. If I walk to the gate and they're boarding, I've timed it perfectly. There's no reason to be sitting at the airport for too long, but that's not my producer. When we're on the road, if we're taking the same flight back, I won't even take a car with him because I don't want to get to the airport that early. Good guy. He's not an uptight person as a producer. He's just when it comes to traveling, he's he's a bit uptight. So you can imagine his reaction when we missed the flight in Detroit and then then the following morning when we, we get back to the airport and he's just like, you know, this stinks, this stinks. And I said, you know what? If We'd gotten to South Bend last night. It fine and great. But because we didn't, now we have this great story to tell. I I, I had the room with the jacuzzi. He didn't have that room. We had this this dr- ride with the Uber driver like this is so much of a better story. We had we had the guys forget to de-ice the plane. But after I just talked about what a great story was, he looked at me. It still sucks. <laughs> but we got to South Bend safely. We ended up seeing an amazing comeback by Notre Dame, a great game against Tennessee. So so there you go. I think I've stayed
1: at that hotel in Detroit before after missing a connection and getting a voucher from Delta. But I've also stayed solo in a honeymoon suite in, on the Pacific coast of Oregon many years ago. It had a red heart-shaped Hot tub next to the bed.
0: First of all, why were you in Oregon, and how did you end up in the honeymoon suite?
1: Well, it was I was on a honeymoon that you <laughs> don't know about. <laughs> I was driving around the country for a book that I wrote called Road Swing, still available on Amazon.com. Not and Road Swinger. No, but no, Road well, Swing. <laughs> when I every day I would stop and book a hotel on the spot. I mean, I would walk into a hotel or motel ask if they had any rooms available, and take whatever they had. And in this place, they had one room left, and it was the honeymoon suite. And so I cowered under the...
0: Was it like a, a, a name-brand hotel? No, it was a little no, heavens kind no, neither, neither. <laughs> it was it, just an inn? It was just an inn.
1: And it occurs to me now that you have stayed alone in a honeymoon suite. I have stayed alone in a honeymoon suite. We have never we never stayed together, certainly, in a honeymoon suite. <laughs>
0: We certainly haven't ever. I've never even seen a red heart shaped hot tub. And
1: that has deprived me the opportunity of carrying you across the threshold of a honeymoon suite.
0: <laughs> How exactly would
1: that work? But you know, the, the, the belt they put on when the guys like move the lift fridges <laughs> and stuff? <Yeah. laughs>
0: would they also have
1: like a, the band that goes yeah. around the fridge? Like You'd have a, to put that around me. Like Medicare. a grown up baby <laughs> yes. Bjorn kind of thing.
0: <laughs> I can actually remember. I could be in the old
1: Russian weightlifting uh, costume from the Olympics back in the 70s, Vasily Alexiev.
0: Oh, my gosh. I can remember once having one of our kids was baby Bjorn age, so they were an infant. But one of their siblings, it was their brother. So it was when when our youngest was an infant and our brother was two and a half, and actually taking him and putting him in the Bjorn, facing out, and putting music on. And we were kind of dancing. I think I have video of that somewhere. And it's actually absolutely hysterical, though. Anyway, me and a baby bjorn strap to you is is a delightful thought. Thank you for that.
1: If anybody knows of adult baby bjorns or if this is something we can bring to Shark Tank, let us know because uh I think that's a concept that could work.
0: Well you go from honeymoon suites, that gets me to thinking about proposals and this is the reason why. About a month ago I was in studio on a Sunday for a triple header with a guy named uh, John Brickley. And it was my first time working with him at ESPN. Really good guy, nice guy. So we're in there for a triple header. So we're sitting watching games for six, seven hours together. And so of course, when we're on air, we're we're doing our thing. And, and when, when the game's going on, we're watching it, but you're also having conversation. And one of the things he brought up was that he was, he was getting ready to propose to his girlfriend a couple weeks later. And it struck me that I knew before his girlfriend knew that he was going to propose. Of course he had asked his girlfriend's father for permission, so he knew. He had talked to his girlfriend's best friend so he could find out exactly what ring she wanted and that sort of thing. And so I said, so your soon to be father-in-law, your girlfriend's best friend and me know that you're going to propose. And he told me exactly how he was going to do it. Rose petals on the ground, you know, it, her, this cabin, all all kinds of stuff. I can tell the story now because he, he sent a text about a week ago with pictures that she said yes. But um, I want people to, to let us know, like, what is proposal et- etiquette? How many people should know before the girlfriend, the soon-to-be fiancé, knows is it okay for a complete complete stranger like me to know before John's girlfriend knew i i guess that shows a lot of confidence that she's going to say yes because
1: well it also shows what a you have something about you invites confession from people because your your uber driver told you about
0: his that is true and and now this about the proposal and perhaps I, it's because i've been walking around in the the priest outfit, maybe that's maybe or your years of celebrity bartending. That. That's, that's true. Given that's true. you a confessional. But these quality. people are completely sober as they're telling me these things. But I do, I do have that ability to have people, whether I'm soliciting it or not, tell me tell me important personal things, and I like it actually.
1: So, I've never have.
0: No, you haven't. But other people, other people do.
1: I actually this actually happened to me when I proposed to you. When I proposed to you, the only people who knew about it were your parents. I naturally asked your father for your hand in marriage.
0: You unnaturally asked my mother. (laughs) I I,
1: I think he told your mother. Okay. And, uh, And so the only three people who knew about it were your mother, your father, and Olympic swimming legend, Summer Sanders.
0: And how did Summer Sanders come to know about it?
1: Well, that's an interesting question. The day I was proposing to you, planning to propose to you on a Sunday, I was walking to the newsstand on the corner where I lived in New York, Seventieth and Broadway, and nervous, rehearsing my proposal in my head.
0: And your proposal was rehearsed?
1: Oh, with with actors and and um, <laughs> rented studio space. For a while, we we're going to use a stand-in for me. <laughs> And I ran into Summer Sanders walking her dogs on the street. And do I know Summer Sanders particularly well? Not really.
0: But you had met her a few sure. times with me, she was a friend of mine.
1: And I was flop sweating, trembling with, with uh fear that you would say no. And I blurted to her while idly making chit-chat about the weather that I was going to propose to you in a couple of hours. And after we had parted ways, I thought, well, that's going to be weird if she says no. The next time you run into Summer Sanders and she congratulates you and you say, you said no.
0: Yes, that could make for an awkward moment And then she everyone. congratulates
1: you even more enthusiastically right. after that. <laughs> that would be awkward for me.
0: Well, didn't you run into another legendary sports figure after buying the engagement well, ring? Well, I did.
1: After buying the engagement ring in midtown Manhattan, I was walking back to my apartment with it like a sensing that people knew that I had this ring on me and that somebody was going to take it from me. The only thing that would give that away was my, again, my flop sweating and my, my eyes shifting back and forth. When I literally ran into, I was going, turning from Fifth Avenue onto Central Park South and ran into at that corner, Iron Mike Tyson who was walking um, west to east as I was going north and south, and he was followed by about a dozen tourists and kids who were following was around. Was this with,
0: before or after the face tattoo?
1: It was after his but before mine.
0: Because, <laughs> I mean, could there be a more imposing figure? Because this is before he was in the... Um, the Hangover movies. Yes, of course. This is before he was in the Hangover movies, so he, where he kind of saw the softer side of Mike Tyson. Well, um, I, I
1: wasn't worried that Iron Mike was going to take the engagement ring from me, but it was just it was just um, kind of a startling sight when I was uh, you know, trying to make it those twenty blocks or whatever back. Yeah, home. you
0: are not great at um hiding if there's any angst in your body. It's apparent to everyone involved whether or not they wanna see it. It's not like you can be strutting down the street or anywhere if you're angst-filled. It's it's quite obvious.
1: Well, the good news is I'm very seldom filled with angst, and, and as I said earlier, you know, fingers crossed I've got a good feeling about the Vikings this week.
0: Right, right.
1: I think they're going all the way to the Super Bowl, even though the game was played 48 hours ago. And I'm generally a happy-go-lucky guy.
0: If you say so.
1: We've talked a lot about fashion, sports fashion, on this podcast. Coaches' bike shorts, spot-built shoes, dickies, khakis pleated khakis there's another piece of fashion that sports fashion that we haven't talked about that I know you have a lot to say about you're looking at me quizzically
0: you're talking about the ref penny, Referee fashion. Yeah, referee fashion. Well, we've talked a little bit about referee fashion, but this is the first time this past weekend, the first time I saw this particular thing. And when we were at our youngest or, or no, we were at our, our nine year old's game and the referee was a high school age kid and he was wearing a striped black and white striped ref penny. I'd never seen the ref penny before. And then I was watching one of my older our older daughter's games, and the ref was dressed head to toe. He had the, you know, the the shirt, the the pants, the shoes. And I was thinking, you know, you at least have some idea of the ref's experience based on his clothing. Like if he's head to toe in his ref gear, he didn't invest in that to ref once a year. Like he doesn't mean he's good or baddie, but he just does it more often. Whereas the kid wearing the ref penny. <laughs> You know, probably his first game refing, maybe his second game refing. Who knows? But that's one that's one place I don't want to see a penny. I want to see my ref wearing the at least the ref shirt.
1: Also, you're a tax accountant. If he's wearing a button down shirt, that's just a penny. He takes <laughs> off his blazer. He's just got the front of the button down shirt, the back, and it's connected by two nylon straps. He's that's- probably not fully committed.
0: The other thing you don't see enough of these days, and it was big when I was in high school, are the muscle shirts, the ones that look like you've just cut the sleeves off of a t-shirt. Usually it says
1: bum equipment across the front? it, It
0: might. It hangs off of your shoulder just a little bit. I remember early 90s, USA Basketball, playing for USA Basketball teams, and that was like the fashion then. It was a champion shirt, like the champion cotton. This is before there was any of the dry fit kind of fabric and that's what they were, the muscle shirts that cut off right at the muscles. You don't you don't see people wearing those anymore, which is probably a good thing.
1: Well, you don't see enough of it, let's say, because we did see it with Bill Belichick in his post-game press conference after Sunday's AFC Championship game. He was wearing kind of one of those... Jennifer Beals style, cut off Gosh. sleeves, but not
0: fully cut off. Now, what was he wearing during the game? Did he have a sweatshirt on over? I think that? He was wearing
1: a standard uh, gear during the game. This was must have been what he was wearing under, or possibly a mean, change into that. Does that provide
0: it, it, some sort of freedom to not have the couple inches of the sleeves the, that a t-shirt would have? Like, what is the what's? I, I can understand, like playing basketball, your 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 arms are now uncovered, and or if you're playing a sport, you don't want to have some restrictions on your arms, but. Or even weightlifting, but if you're just coaching, why why no sleeves? What's the benefit there? Well, uh, you know, that's part of his shtick is to
1: look as if his mind is so occupied with winning football games that he can't be bothered to think about putting anything, you know, if he comes out. He can't a, be
0: bothered to have sleeves.
1: He can't <laughs> be bothered. Not only that, it takes time to cut off the sleeves. Right.
0: Well, I don't like. Do you think those were cutoffs, or do you think that he found the last remaining muscle shirt that you could buy that, that was sold that way? I saw a
1: lot of people refer to it uh, on social media as a lawn mowing shirt, and it's kind of a perfect description. <laughs> but I've seen him. You've seen him at Celtics games and in in uh, coming off of planes in a dress shirt, possibly a dress penny.
0: Right. <laughs> Can we rewind a little to the lawn mowing shirt? so i can just tell our lawnmowering sorry we we had a you had a brief affair with a lawnmower <laughs> we, literally we, <laughs> and your point is yeah, we we have a house that has a, a substantial front yard and a small small backyard and we invested in a rider mower because we needed to mow the lawn, and it t- and the, the front yard alone takes a long time.
1: I'll be damned if somebody else is going to mow my lawn. Right. I want to mow the lawn until my son is old enough to mow the lawn, which is what I did as a kid.
0: This was your thinking, at least, when we got the mower, say, seven years ago, five years ago. So we get a mower, and you're mowing in the spring, and maybe the third week that we had the mower, you come in, and the, your allergies were destroying you you couldn't breathe you had all kinds of issues so then it it's we live
1: we live in the woods in the highest pollen density
0: in north america yes and i have seasonal allergies yes so the seasonal allergies were kicking your butt so you went did you go to the pharmacy where would you get the mask so you went and bought like one of those masks that you see asian travelers wearing in the airport to keep out germs and other things. Where'd you get that mask?
1: At uh, the pharmacy. The pharmacy,
0: okay. So then you started mowing the lawn with the mask. <laughs> and then it got to the point where even that wasn't good. So you would you could mow the front of the house with the mask, but then your allergies would start kicking in, so you'd only mow the front and not the back. Well,
1: first of all, I put on welder's goggles as well. I and mean, then we had like protective <laughs> yes. eyewear that I had on the workbench for some reason, so I would I would mow in the mask and the, and goggles. the goggles.
0: And then you stop mowing the backyard. So our house, we 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 described it, we had a house mullet. We had short grass in the front and long grass in the back. And it even it even was so bad at one point that I remember you and I going for a jog. This is years ago, and it was in the spring. And you went for a jog wearing the goggles and the mask. And as we're running down the street, I just remember thinking, anyone else besides you and perhaps me would find this horrifying. But instead, you and I were like, all right, let's go for a jog. You put on your goggles and mask and let's Let's get some exercising. <laughs> as I don't
1: have to tell you, I am so many years, decades, possibly, past caring, caring. at all with anybody, thinks I about know. anything.
0: So then it ended up after I think it was. How long do we have the mower? Well, do we have it for two seasons or just it, one? We had
1: it for a few years because this beautiful Cub Cadet riding lawnmower. Now understand, as a kid, I had to push a Toro around our yard for years, and and then bag the grass and and dump it. I assume illegally in the park across the street from our house, and sometimes garter snakes would go helicopter out of the grass shoot into the bag, you'd shoot a tennis ball fifty yards into the into the neighbor's yard, did all of those things, and dreamt of having the riding lawnmower that other people in the neighborhood had well, there was no incentive for my dad to spring for the riding lawnmower when he had a human lawnmower right. and really an endless supply of them with five kids. And so my dream was to—his dream was to get a Cadillac. My dream was to get a riding lawnmower, and I did that. And the thing had a cup holder for a beer. Didn't have two? Had two cup holders.
0: That that was your whole reason. You wanted to be the guy out riding the lawnmower, drinking the beer. Wearing Bill Belichick's shirt. Wearing Bill Belichick's shirt. Anyway, after two glorious seasons, we sold the lawnmower and now have somebody mow the lawn. And you say, you know— Well, maybe when our son's old enough, we'll get another mower and and make him mow the lawn. The problem is our son is the one child in our family who got your seasonal allergies. So unless we want to get the mower and the goggles and the mask. Or
1: have our daughters mow the lawn. That's certainly not unheard of. That's true.
0: Well... Yes, we could we could do that. And, uh, and did you I would, mow the grass I, as a kid? No, but I always wanted to. My dad, my dad was the one who mowed the lawn. He didn't even have my, my brother do it. I think he enjoyed it because now I understand. You know, he worked all week. Saturday, he's home. The house is crazy. That was his hour and a half or two hours, whatever it took him on the with a push mower to be outside without having to listen to any of us. I think he might have also like listened to a Red Sox game or something like that at the time. So and did he, he buy... wasn't giving us any of those?
1: Did he? In accordance with federal law, have grass-stained tree torns or converse or something that he oh, mowed the lawn Oh yeah, he had he
0: had the pair of shoes that were designated just for mowing the lawn. And did of he course. have a, a Belichickian shirt? I think actually he did the one you know that he cut the sleeves off of
1: in a, in a freak lawn mowing accident. Yeah, right.
0: But it, since it was a push mower, I, I do remember him after mowing the lawn. My dad rarely drank. But I do remember after mowing the lawn, he would sit on the back deck and enjoy his ice cold beer, and it was a sounds like a positive experience for him. He, he was not wearing a mask or goggles. I do know that.
1: I also, for two summers, push mode an entire apartment complex's landscaped lawn. I was the maintenance guy, if you can believe this, at the New Orleans Court apartment complex in.
0: Did your allergies not bother you then?
1: I didn't have allergies until my mid-20s. I was in England when they kicked in, and and Claritin was over the counter there and prescription at the time over here. And it it worked great. It has long since stopped working.
0: Well, we do live in a high allergy area. The good thing is now that you no longer mow the lawn, we can run in the spring without you wearing (laughs) your wheezy mask and goggles.
1: And every once in a while I just go sit in the garage with a beer on my... Cup Cadet lawnmower.
0: Just pretend that you've already mowed the lawn.
1: We actually sold it.
0: Yes we did. I already said that but that's okay. I wasn't listening. No you weren't. That actually makes me think of something that somebody sent us in a tweet. Deb who, I like Deb, she tweets us a lot at um, Ball and Chain Pod, but she said sometimes she listens to the podcast twice and it got me thinking that good for her because You often don't listen to me even the first time outside of the podcast. Like you'll be in your office and I'll come in and say, all right, I'm leaving to go pick up the kids from school. Can you do this? Whatever it might be. And then a minute later, as I'm getting stuff ready to leave, you'll say, "Uh, who's picking the kids up from school? I just came in and told you I was doing that. Like it it happens a lot, especially in, and I, I know this is not your favorite part of our communication is, is me going through the logistics of how we get one person from here to there, but you'll completely just whatever I've said, you'll nod and you might even respond to me, but it went completely through your brain. You're thinking of something else and not listening to a word that I say. I bet a lot of husbands are like that though.
1: I I, speaking only for myself, it is true. I've, Often have completely tuned you out And I don't mean that in a I don't take any pride in that But oftentimes I'm thinking of something I'm writing and I've got some idea in my head You're talking to me about Before I'm about to leave Uh, Remember the kids have the orthodontist at 345 They've got basketball at 430 The cannoli has to go in the oven at at 5 15 at can, 350
0: cannolis don't go in an oven but okay well
1: they would if you're telling right. me all this <laughs> and uh and don't forget to defrost the whatever before you do that and and at some point my spirit leaves my body and hovers over the scene and i'm watching this conversation take place but i'm not physically present for and it. i'm I re- physically present for it. i'm just not emotionally, spiritually, or mentally present I can
0: understand it because sometimes you and I will be in the car, you're driving, we're going to one of the kids' games, for example, all the kids are in the minivan, and all of a sudden I'll just hear you say to me, will you please answer her? And one of our kids has been asking me a question, and I've not heard their voice. I certainly didn't register that they were talking to me, and I have no idea what they asked me. So I'm assuming that's what it's like sometimes when I talk to you. You are just like completely tuned out to what I'm saying. And it honestly it, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. It makes me laugh except when it has happened where I'll say, "All right, I'm going to get the kids and I'll I've actually left the house and I'll be driving and I'll just get a, a text will come up or you'll call and say, "Where are you?" <laughs> I just told you. I'm getting the kids. I'm on my way to get the kids." So, fortunately, it hasn't resulted in any major catastrophe, calamity, calamity. but I would guess that A lot of other couples, it's the same way. You just can listen to everybody else, but you're tuning out your spouse. I get it.
1: You said spouse, not not wife or husband, because you think this cuts both ways.
0: I think think it's mostly men probably tuning out wives. But I think wives on occasion probably tune out their husbands. Now, some more viewer mail. Let's go back to—we're going to revisit St. Petersburg. We were saying, why are people— in St. Petersburg listening to us. Well, I well, haven't... Well, people
1: listen everywhere, but disproportionately.
0: Disproportionately. It was, and I had a few people respond that they think it's because a lot of people have retired to St. Petersburg. One person in particular said, it's because there are a lot of grandmas there and you are popular with them, yet 45-year-olds like you guys, too. So um, when we were at Christmas, our niece, who's a junior at Harvard said that she was listening to the podcast and enjoying it. And I said, well, I think you're probably the only one in your particular demographic that is listening. But what's interesting is these are all people conjecturing why somebody is listening in St. Pete. I haven't had somebody actually in St. Pete say, I am in St. Pete, and, and this is why we're listening. So
1: I think it has something to do with Russian bots and that they're not actually in not the
0: R-U-S-H-I-N bots no, but R-U-S-S-I-A-N bots R-U-S-H-I-N bots there you yes. go your, your father's down there so maybe he gets his bot friends to, uh, to listen
1: uh, I have a piece of viewer mail from Mark Simon I know Mark uh, I know Mark too Mark's a Twitter friend of mine yes he's he's moving he would like advice on moving 1,000 books he says things got a little bit out of control and I replied to Mark already I would like the same advice because someday we will be empty nesters will have to leave this place and we will have at least a thousand books, right? We our house,
0: our house is overrun with books and I love that everyone in our family loves to read down to our, our seven-year-old daughter. I, I, I love that you, because you're a writer, love books and love to read. I do wish you would transition a little bit to an e-reader, whether it's a Kindle or on your iPad or whatever, because We don't have any more shelf space. When we finished half of our basement, we put in built-in bookshelves along almost every wall. In our formal living room, we added wall-to-wall bookshelves. And we still have books piled in different places of the floor because we simply don't have enough space for all these books. A wise
1: person once said, I wish I remembered who, that when you're buying books, you think you're buying the time to read them. So if 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 I have enough books here that buys me immortality.
0: You'll live forever. Well, it just can be a bit of a frustrating bit frustrating when I'm trying to clean or tidy up and find stacks of book on the floor and it's been maybe inherited or learned or whatever by our children. Our oldest daughter has bookshelves in her room and she likes to reorganize them. She'll she'll organize them by alphabetically, she'll do it by color. She has all these books but too many. So she also has some sitting on her desk on the floor. Our younger two daughters share a room and their bookshelf is overrun with books. And part of it is too, if you go into a bookstore with our kids, that's the one place you will never say no. If they if we go to a clothing store or a toy store and they ask for something, we have no problem saying no. But if you're in a bookstore with the kids and they ask for a book, you always always say yes.
1: My dad was in the magnetic tape industry. He sold audio and video recording tape including blank cassettes to consumers and so when I asked for a Panasonic boombox that could play tons of blank cassettes mixtapes he helped me get one he said no to other things but this was part of the family business this was the engine of our entire Russian economy so as a writer I want to encourage kids to buy books, magazines, whatever it is. The side benefit of that is they become readers and they become smarter. But uh, the real reason is, you know, keep the book industry, the publishing industry alive.
0: And and I'm all for that. And, and I do believe it's important to have the physical book in your hand at times. But can't we get them sometimes books on e-readers just, just to reduce the number of books that we have I, in our I did house. bring a
1: box of books to the library used book sale. I came back with two boxes of books right. that I bought there. <laughs> but again, you know, these things...
0: I'm reading a book that our daughter went to the library, and there's a little section of the library you can buy books. And she bought the book Brooklyn for a dollar, I think. And she said, Mom, I, I, I remember you enjoyed this movie, so I got this book for you. And I am reading that book right now. So that's thoughtful. I do like having that book in my hand. But for you...
1: The last book I read was a library book. I just finished it, returned it yesterday. So I, I do read library books. I will buy books for 95 cents at the used bookstore or whatever, and I don't really care if I lose them or not. But, you know, I started a program last year to take Every time I get a book, I have to take a book somewhere else and get rid of it.
0: You do? I didn't you, know you about this I brought I
1: brought 13 books to a place where you can drop yeah. used books. But that was it. And choosing those thirteen out of a thousand was was almost impossible. I realized that even some of those thirteen were, I didn't consider expendable. And and the other thing is my bookmarks. I mean, I have 1987 Chicago White Sox ticket stubs as bookmarks. I found a 1989 NHL All Star ballot unpunched as one of my bookmarks the other day in a book about Abraham Lincoln. So I would have to go through every one of those With books first of all. Passes and boarding as passes, too. That
0: is a, that would actually be a good book idea. You should just go around, find the different bookmarks, what they are, and write a story. Take a tour of our. Of your bookshelves and write a book about that. That's my next pitch for you. My,
1: my coffee table book idea, as some people know, is I want to do a, a coffee table book of photographs of sporting goods that are stuck in gym rafters. And we saw some great examples again this weekend, some some things that are never coming down. I mean, they're not coming down until that place is, is imploded. And um, I think that would be a nice coffee table book.
0: But all of that is going to have to wait until the book you're working on now is completed and... I think am I okay to talk about this? No, okay. So, um, so at some point when it's okay to talk about, you are working on a project that I think everyone listening is going to be very excited about, and I'll talk about it at that point. Well, no, the whole
1: reason I'd like to talk about books in progress is because what if you never finish them? Then, then, then you, you've that means sold you've it, died. It does. It or or you just didn't finish the book.
0: You'll finish the book. Really, that's the reason you don't want to talk about it is you're afraid that you might not finish. Well, it? Well,
1: also by the time you finish it then you're required to talk about it ad nauseum right. as a way to sell the book.
0: Well, I'm going to say that your fans, especially those who read Stingray Afternoons and enjoyed it, are going to love your next book.
1: Well, great. And I hope people know about Stingray Afternoons because that's the book that's out now. and We can talk about that all day, but we don't on this podcast generally. Is there any other viewer mail?
0: Yes. Lauren asked, is there one item in your house that should last a long time, but you go through them like candy? For them it's a trash can. They've replaced their trash can like 7 times even though that's an item that should last forever. So is there one item in our house that, that we go through that like we, candy? Yes. You know what we we don't candy. Right. Re- <laughs> we don't even replace the stuff that's broken. We have a remote control for our cable box that the number 4 doesn't work and I think three the number 3 either. sticks. It's been like this for what? 2 months. And
1: the kids only want to watch 1043 and 1044. Disney, Disney Channel and,
0: and Nick. Nick. So we now go to like 1022 and use the up button to get there. Or I go to
1: 1055 and then and then and then go, go down. down yeah.
0: So that's something that probably should have lasted longer than it has. I know I, I this week that's on my to-do list. I will get over to Cox Communications and get a new remote control. but, um, but what are the things? Well, we go, we go
1: through lots of things. We just don't replace them. That's you know? what I'm saying. These people, the, these people the wisely replace their garbage can. We should have replaced various carpets, Ottoman. That I guess we've reupholstered it, but it became the dog bed. Our floors, our kitchen table, everything gets completely destroyed in this house. And last weekend, I, after two years, after two years of little molding, the little piece of strip of molding that, that allows the bedroom door to close, I finally nailed that back on and painted it because two years ago, one of our kids was sent to her room and with both sat just inside the bedroom door and with both feet kicked at the door like she was a detective in a 1970s cop show and finally kicked the door open through that piece of molding that holds it in. So we don't tend to replace things we, that require We don't require tend to replacing. get all that
0: worried about that sort of thing.
1: We had a Keurig uh, coffee maker. We don't drink coffee, but we would make hot chocolate when, when we'd have your dad over. He'd, he'd like to make coffee. That thing broke we never replaced it. We tend not to replace things that require replacement. Now instead,
0: replace when we hosted everyone on Thanksgiving, my dad brought a coffee pot. I did provide the cream. He brought the coffee pot and the coffee. But that's not something we use every day. We really need to replace the remote. And there's probably plenty of other things. But Well, let's uh, be
1: honest. If you replaced things that broke down, you wouldn't still be married to me.
0: <laughs> yes, that is true. On that note... Tom, Dick, and Harry, play us out.
2: The says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad, having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Six of us and a family pet living in cuckoo nest Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test Androgynous and, and is what we give for a little rest it's day by day, just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.